My name is Jules Henningberg, and you're listening to Pro Across Talk. Tom Schreiber. Snyder with scores! Now scores! Ball Rabel splits two and scores! Kylie Elmiller showing off those shifty skills. Kelly, not shy, bounces one home! What a start! Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk, the voice of Pro Lacrosse. I'm Hutton, he's Adam, and together we're bringing you interviews with your favorite players and coaches, as well as news from all four professional lacrosse leagues. Stoked to have you guys again for another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. I'm here with Adam. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm good, brother. Doing, doing well. Started traveling for work, so I'm excited to get off the work grind and start talking about some lacrosse. Awesome. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. We had our first PLL playoff games this weekend. Uh, the MLL playoffs are now set after the past weekend's games. Um, we're going to talk some little fantasy lacrosse as well. Uh, you know, we launched that last week, and I think, you know, we got a lot of success. We had over 100 entries, and people are pretty excited about it. You know, it's a good trial run for how fantasy lacrosse could work. Um, and then we're going to go over some PLL awards as well and who we think should get those at the end of the season. Uh, but let's dive into that fast break to start off. In game one of the MLL's weekend, the Cannons defeated the Bayhawks 12-11. to In game two, the Outlaws defeated the Lizards 15-12. to and in arguably the biggest game of the weekend, the Blaze defeated the Rattlers 15-14 to uh, to knock the Rattlers out of playoff contention. In the playoffs for the PLL, uh, the Redwoods defeated the Archers 16-12 to to move on uh, to the next round of the playoffs. That relegated the Archers to the draft bracket. In Game 2, the Atlas defeated the Chrome 17-8 to to move to the championship game of the draft bracket. And in the battle of one and two, the Whip Snakes defeated the Chaos fifteen to seven to move on to the championship game next weekend in Philadelphia. Yeah, some great games. You know, not not bad for a first uh, PLL playoff weekend, and it's nice to you know finally get those MLL teams set. So you know we're really getting in the thick of things at the final end of this field lacrosse season. Um, but let's talk about these PLL playoff matchups. And the first of the the weekend was the Archers at the Redwoods. Really exciting game. I thought these teams were pretty evenly matched going into it, and they kind of showed that right off the gate, um, you know, it was back and forth. Uh, and I think the real difference maker, let's address the elephant in the room, was Tom Schreiber's injury. Adam, do you think that really cost the Archers a chance at advancing in the playoffs? Uh, you you want to think that it's not the case just because how strong of a group that team is in the Archers and the fact that they have so many other studs on that squad. Uh, but it really did seem like a momentum shift when he went down. Uh, despite his really inspirational halftime speech, he, they weren't able to kind of bring it together at the end. And we'll probably talk about uh, Jackson Place a little bit uh, on as well. And thank goodness he's healing up okay. But I definitely think the Schreiber injury um, was the big turning point of this game. He's he's such a facilitator uh, for that offense. And it was such a momentum shifter that you, you can't not look at it, you know? You mentioned how they came out of that half and... Uh... You know, they seemed like they, they, they were still ready to go, but the, yeah. the Redwoods were firing all cylinders. They went on the you know, 8 nothing run um, in that third quarter. I mean, we were going to talk about another 8-goal run as well from another team later on in the Whip Snakes. But, um, yeah, that kind of killed them, and they were playing catch-up. And, you know, I think the Archers, their defense was played solid all year, and they kind of, you know, had picked the worst time to have a bad game. They just you kind of saw the amount of weapons that the Redwoods had. I mean, Perkovich was on his game. Uh, Brent Adams, you know, had a two-pointer, and that was kind of his only uh, big play of the game, but it was, you know, came at a crucial time, and, you know, West Berg getting three straight goals for a hat-trick, including a buzzer-beater at half, I think that kind of just was the um, 
momentum swinger there, and I think the Redwoods never really looked back from there. And I think we talked about, too, who was going to come out and make the, the best halftime adjustments. And, you know, I think the Redwoods kind of just poured it on, and, um, you know, they had a lot of success at the face-off X2 with Gorenlian, and I, I think that was key because we're kind of used to seeing both these teams kind of play the more settled six-on-six than, say, like a Whip Snakes or a, a Chaos, and the Redwoods kind of pushed transition, you know, with Gorenlian. He had a goal and, uh, you know, forced them to respect him. And the next time he went out there, he ended up you know, getting an assist. I think they kind of they hit the archers at all different angles, and I just don't think they were prepared for that. And I think we've talked about how, you know, the face-off X has been one of their struggles. And they really they don't have that strong of a midfield group either, you know. And when you don't lose your best player in Tom Schreiber, um, it's kind of hard to kind of recover from that, and especially with limited possessions. So I think that kind of did them in. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned earlier, too, it was kind of, it was a great game until it came to a screeching halt with the Jackson Place injury. Very scary injury, you know, we, we saw him kind of lean with his head a little bit. Uh, it was kind of unclear whether he was, you know, trying to go for the end line or maybe trying to just, you know, initiate a hit on Glazner. But, you know, he went in at a bad angle, uh, looked like a scary neck injury. They had to, you know, come get the stretcher out for him, uh, and we've heard now that he has feeling all his extremities and he's making a good recovery, which is big because it looked really scary. I mean, you could yeah. hear a pin drop, um, and it lasted a good 20 minutes, that break. So I think after, you know, there was only probably five minutes left in the game, I think it kind of it put a damper on an overall uh, good first PLL playoff game, but we're glad that he's, you know, recovering strong. Um, but, yeah. you know, that's that's all I kind of have on that. I don't know if... What, what do you think from this Redwoods team? Do you think they can continue it and against the odds, you know, win two straight to win this championship? I, I don't see why not. I mean, with, with how the season has gone as a whole, I, I, I could easily see them winning or I easily can get, see them getting spanked in the next game, to be honest with you. I mean, when the Archers came out and they were getting scoring from players that aren't the big three. I mean, Ryan Ambler found the back of the net. Joey Sankey started it off for them um, with an, a fantastic goal to start the game. So um, when that happened, I was I was wondering if they were going to hold on, and they certainly did. Um, and one big thing I think uh, that we hadn't talked about that we've talked about for weeks past was that double-headed goalie um, monster for the, um, the tandem goalie situation when it comes to the Archers. Adam Gittleman had a really strong first half. Five goals allowed and five saves, so you know he he did his job. He held it. He held it up, and unfortunately, uh, Drew Adams didn't have uh, his best half. And you know it's not all his fault because the the shots that uh, the a lot of those shots the Redwoods were taken are fantastically placed. But um, this might have been the first week where I thought one goalie played dramatically better than the other. And I know the stats don't really show that, but if you watch, I I, I felt like Gettleman uh, was more on his game than Drew. And unfortunately, that's that's kind of when the tide turned. I mean, the, the injury happened in the first half, but that might have been another reason why they lost. So um, it, it was tough. But I can certainly, going back to the Redwoods, see them cruising to uh, the championship or getting slaughtered in the next. I, I honestly, uh, it it's it'll be interesting to see what happens. And uh, it'll be an interesting matchup of two teams that, I mean, they're going different directions right now. If you think about it from a, a big loss that we'll talk about in a second here um, to to a big win and, and decisively bi- a big loss and win. So um, I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts going forward for this next game? I, I just think the Redwoods, they got the best balance of veteran leadership and young talent um, because, you know, all these teams are loaded with young talent as well as, you know, some veteran guys. But I think when I, you saw Kyle Harrison rip that top corner shot, yep. that was when I was like, okay, the, the Redwoods are for real, you know. And not that I ever doubted them, but that's when I kind of really started to believe like 
this kind of has a feeling for a magical run because who knows if this is Kyle Harrison's last year. Um, he's 36 years old. Uh, hasn't really made a huge impact on the field. Uh, we'll get to it later. I think he's made a big impact, though, in the locker room. And um, So I think, you know, you got Gorenlian as well having a huge day when he's kind of struggled with injuries. I think everything's kind of clicking at the right time. And sure, sure. I think that St. Lorenz got them uh, ready, you know, poised for a big run. But, um, yeah, they're going to have to go against the Chaos, who had a disappointing game. So let's dive into that one. Andy Towers' squad, I think, has been the most consistent, and they picked a bad day to have their worst game um, against the Wits team that, you know, looked like they didn't know where they were going the first quarter. I mean, the Chaos played really well against them. Yep. And it looked like, you know, this was going to be another close one that we were used to expecting from the whole, from the regular season. But, uh, yeah, the, the Whips, they had that big third quarter, um, you know, Mike Chanick, Chuck, uh, again, with some two two-point goals. I mean, that's... It's a given now, you know. I, I didn't pick him on my fantasy team. I'm kicking myself for that now because it seems like such a given week in and week out. But uh, yeah, what did you see from from the chaos? Like, wh- why do you think they they came out sluggish in that second half? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you were talking about picked a bad game. They picked a bad quarter, right? Of uh, of everything, it was really that. If you you look at the stat line from other, if you take out the the third quarter, it's it's seven to uh, seven. To be honest with you, so uh, after the first half, it was six four, and and the chaos took the fourth quarter. So, uh, it if you take that third quarter out, man, it's a it's a whole different ball game. But uh, you saw a lot of good things from the Whip Snakes. I mean, Ben Reeves had three points on the day, and you haven't really talked about him in the last couple weeks. Um, you're you're used to talking about Chef Rambo and Ryan Jenner when it comes to their their attack, but uh, to have another guy on that offense come up big. Um, just remind you why he was the former Tawartan winner. So um, they, they had big days from, from a lot of different areas. And from the statistics standpoint, I mean, things were pretty close in a, in a lot of areas. I mean, Joe Nardella edged out um, at Tommy Kelly um, at the faceoff X, but it wasn't that despair. It was 10 to 13 in, in faceoffs won um, by Joe Nardella. So, I mean, they just came out to play in that third quarter. And you, you wonder um, when that third quarter lead got big, were they just ready to, to move on to the next game. But I, I for all the people that say that, I mean, it's a chance to go to straight to the championship. So for You're them getting to, a buy, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I maybe people are worried about the the how you come out of a championship game, uh, if it's like you have a bye week, if you're going to be sluggish or not. But, heck, you don't know if you're going to win or lose that next week, and you'd rather have the bye. I don't know a team that would not rather have a bye uh, and – and automatically be in the championship. I mean, these are professional athletes. They're going to be ready to go, uh, whether they have a buy or not. But why wouldn't you? They've had a long season. Why wouldn't you want to another week to rest your legs and be ready to go for, for the championship and be able to scout that next weekend too? So the Whips are going to be able to look at this Chaos Redwoods game um, and really maybe find things they weren't going to find if they had to get ready to play next week. So um, it was a big win for the Whip Snakes. Uh, obviously, the Chaos still are in it, still have a chance, but they're going to have to go, up, like I said, against the Hot Redwoods team, who earlier in the season, I wouldn't call a team that was as fast-paced uh, as the Chaos. You know, we talk about how the Chaos are fairly chaotic and run and gun. Heck, in that second half, I thought the Redwoods were pretty run and gun. They poured it on. Yeah, absolutely. So I... The, the, they may be getting the Redwoods at a, at a bad time in their season, but I mean, I think it should be an awesome game. I'm excited. I'm going to be there um, in New York this weekend to see it in person. Um, but it's going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, no, and 
I think you, you, you talked about how every team would like to have a bye, um, but I, I do say that if there's one team that's going to come back from a big loss like this, I think it's Coach Towers' squad. Um, and honestly, you know, I picked them. Uh, my brackets busted. I had the Archers and the, the Chaos winning. So, But I, I had them, you know, winning and advancing to the championship. But honestly, I don't think I could have actually pictured any other way. You know, I think now they got the chip on their shoulder. It's lit a fire under them. You know he's going to have them prepared to take on this Redwoods team, and it's going to be a slugfest, I think. Yep. And, you know, we know these teams don't like each other. I mean, week three, you had a skirmish and a, some punches thrown. And then, the, you know, the second time they played each other, again, Chaos won 13-10. to 10, So, um, you know, I, these teams don't like each other. Uh, it's going to be a close match. And, you know, I, now it's kind of like do or die. You know, there's no more win and you're, you get a bye, it's, it's like you got to win, get to the championship, and you're in, and you're playing the Whip Snakes. And, you know, Whip Snakes can rest easy a little bit, but, you know, they're, they're going to have to, you know, be prepared for a hot team that's going to come out of whoever comes out of this slugfest because I think, you know, whoever wins this game is going to have the most momentum going into this championship. Yep. But uh, we can't ignore the, the other game that happened. You know, the Atlas versus the Chrome. That was obviously not any playoff implications, but it was for that top draft pick, you know, chance to go play. So the winner, uh, we get the bye to the, fir- the first round draft. The winner would get the bye to go to the draft pick game, um, and the loser would have to play the loser of the Archers Redwoods. So it ended up being the Atlas. They pummeled the Chrome. It didn't even look like the Chrome were interested uh, at all. And, you know, I think the frustrations could really show when you had Justin Gutterding saying, um, Connor Busick is beating us by himself because Connor Busick ended up having nine goals on the day. Yeah. And the Chrome, you know, they only finished with eight goals. So it was 17-8, to eight, uh, a dominant win by the Atlas. And I can think they kind of proved that, um, you know, they, they kind of, you know, maybe deserved a shot at the playoffs. They didn't get it done in the regular season, yeah. though. So they're unfortunately looking on the outside in. But a statement win by them. Um, and they seem determined to, you know, just go out on top and, you know, hopefully get this top draft pick for them too because they could be scary next year if they get a guy like Amon or, um, you know, or Michael Sowers. So, you know, that that's the other thing that you wanted to mention, you know, about this draft pick game. Yeah, I mean, it 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 the the winner of this first overall pick is going to be really reflective. It's it's not like previous years when Pat Spencer was the unanimous first overall pick. Um, it's really dependent on team who's going to be first overall this year at, at this point in the season. Obviously, I mean, if the art you could see the Archers going TD Ireland with the first overall pick, with how um, the the faceoff X really kind of affected them in a variety of ways this year, or you could see a squad that has a lot of Canadians go Jeff Tito first overall. So there, there it. It's going to be really interesting. Obviously, the college season has to play out, and it, we'll, we'll see how things go from there. Um, the cream might rise to the top um, when it comes to that, but it's going to be really reflective of that first overall pick, I think, depending on who wins. Yeah, no, and yeah, I honestly think, too, like you, you could also see with the Chrome, um, them maybe taking, yeah. uh, you know, maybe you get an aim in, but I, I could see them going another Penn State guy and taking Mac O'Keefe, you know, a lethal shooter. They have Justin Gutterding, who can obviously do it all over the field and a guy like um, Wolf who can also, you know, feed and, and score from around the crease. So I, I don't know, you know, they, they don't really have that sniper uh, attackman um, really right now, at least, you know, a young guy. Um, so I, I think maybe they could go that route as well. Uh, it's definitely interesting. And I think, you know, it's been fun to kind of pay attention 
um, to these games, even if they don't have any playoff implications. Sure, yeah, and it'll be fun to see uh, who goes. And uh, for, for you interested in uh, the draft game, we'll definitely have some analysis of who we expect. We'll definitely have some coverage of that once we get closer uh, to PLL draft time in the offseason as well. So, Yeah, definitely. Uh, with that, though, let's uh, segue into our PLL awards. Um, so we haven't really talked about them, but they did announce them last week. Uh, you know, they have the nominees, um, and I know you have some picks that you kind of want to uh, talk about, and I have my, my ideas of the guys I think are deserving. So let's just go down the list. Yep. So to start, you have the Brendan Looney Leadership Award. So Brendan Looney, obviously, he played at Navy, for those not familiar. He was a, a defenseman there, a big pivotal part of their championship run in 2004 that fell short to Syracuse. I was actually at that game. That was my first ever NCAA lacrosse game. Um, I went. My dad went to Navy, so it was a big day for him but he was tragically killed in action uh he was a navy seal upon you know his college career um so they gave this award out uh to pretty much honor the person who exhibits you know leadership and uh and kind of reflects brendan looney's character so i think this is a great great award um i'm glad that they they have this i think you couldn't have named it after a better person um and the nominees this year brody merrill john galloway and kyle harrison so who do you think is most deserving of those three adam I think we're on the same page when it comes to this one, and I'd have to go Kyle Harrison uh, on this one. Uh, he didn't have the biggest production year um, when it comes to statistics for his career, um, but you could tell that he was a huge leader on the sidelines, huge advocate for a lot of those players, and, and we heard from uh, Jules Hennenberg when he was on the pod about his experience uh, with Kyle, so I'd have to go Kyle Harrison. I mean, all these, uh, both Brody and Galloway, too, have had fantastic careers and are true leaders on their squad. Um, Galloway, as you know, I think um, when it comes to leadership, being a leader and kind of knowing that uh, maybe it's not your time. And he came back from being benched at one point and shows real strong leadership to come back from that and support um, Queener when he was in there and whatnot. But I'd have to go Kyle Harrison with this kind of long-winded answer to it. Yeah, no, that's who I'm picking too, and kind of for the reasons you mentioned, you know, he's been a leader, like, even just for the organization of the PLO exactly. as a whole, you know, yep. with a lot of social issues. Um, I love that they had the uh, the African-American uh, lacrosse player shirt that they debuted this past weekend. Um, a lot of those players were wearing them. They had a list of six names, including Kyle Harrison's father, who was part of the Ten Bears at Morgan State. And I just thought that was a, a really nice touch, you know, for them to recognize those that came before them. Um, you know, especially the the people in the African-American community, because this sport is for everyone. It's started by the Native Americans, um, adopted by the French colonists. You know, it's a Canadian sport, an American sport. It's, you know, it's really a multinational sport, which is, I think, really important that we recognize its roots. Um, but, yeah, from a locker room standpoint, I don't think anyone's had a bigger impact than Kyle Harrison and him talking about Ryder Garnsey, um, you know, a kid who they have a picture of him, uh, them together from one of his camps and now to be playing as teammates I think you know that's special and I think just the way he carries himself every sideline interview he has it's just from a place of humility and um, how he's you know very grateful that he's on this team and you know on this run so I'd love to see him you know maybe go out on top if this is his final year as a 36 year old yep agreed um, so now our next award is the Jimmy Regan award teammate award named after a uh, you know former Duke player um, and this award was tough for me because you had three guys that I, you know, it, it's a tough award to kind of give to because you, you see teamwork all over the field. But um, you have Adam Gittleman for the Archers, Mark Lassini for the Chaos, and John Rannigan for the Chrome. Uh, who do you really feel like deserves this one, Adam? 
Yeah, th- this is a tough award just because we're we're not in the locker room, right? We're not with them on a day to day basis, and it, it's it's other than watching the games, and you don't get too much sideline coverage, right? So it's really tough to determine who is that tough teammate because uh, the top teammate because a lot of that's behind the scenes, and uh, I think. I'm probably kind of on the long same lines as you, and Adam Gittleman is the person that I follow the most out of these three, uh, which would lean me towards going Adam Gittleman. But all, all three are fantastic people on and off the field. It seems like I just have heard from Adam Gittleman the most and followed him the most, so he'd have to be my pick. Yeah, no, I, I got to go with him too, um, and because I think he accepted the role of uh, you know being the first half goalie with Grace. He started out as a starter. Um, you know, you never saw any complaining. Not that these players really complain at all anyway, but um, I just think how he accepted that role was, you know, pretty admirable. So I think that's why he's most deserving. Um, and I just, again, kudos to the PLL for these, you know, the way they named these awards after. Again, like Jimmy Regan, uh, you know, being Duke lacrosse, but also a former Army Ranger who also was killed in action. I mean, talk about two awards, same after veterans. Um, me being a Army Reservist myself, it's kind of, kind of special for me to kind of talk about these players that came before that were so involved in the lacrosse community and now you have awards named after them so Absolutely. again kudos to the the PLL for that and we move on to the Wells Crowder Humanitarian Award uh, we have Scott Ratliff, Justin Gutterding and Eric Law uh, who do you feel is most deserving of this again another tough one because all these these guys are you know pretty involved in the community and do a lot of great stuff kind of humanitarian work as well but um, I think you had one guy in mind that you were particularly wanted to talk about so I think we're unanimous in this one as well, and, and it, got, it has to go to Scott Ratliff. Uh, just with his work with the Give and Go Foundation, he and Adam Gittleman, I was kind of expecting his name in this one as well, um, but uh, Scott Ratliff, from a global standpoint, is really trying to grow the game. Um, and where lacrosse stands at this point, uh, obviously we need the grassroots efforts, but his ability to kind of be a, a strong individual at the global uh, level is something that uh, is fantastic for the game right now to grow on the international level. We're going to see it in the Olympics, um, and his ability to kind of grow it uh, globally is something that uh, is pretty fantastic. So I'd have to go with Scott Ratliff, um, and we'll hear from him right uh, in an article that you're going to be putting out soon. Yeah, I got to talk to Scott and uh, Adam both at the beginning of the season, and I've had a, you know, in the in the in the works uh, article about the Give and Go Foundation, um, but they are just two great human beings, you know, talking to them and how involved they are in the sport and how passionate they are about sharing it and spreading it, and they're doing a lot of great work. Um, so I really encourage you guys to go look up their foundation. You know, they go to different countries and try to spread the game of lacrosse, and yep. it's really important if we want this, you know, sport to go global and be at the Olympic level. And again, with Scott, he's just a positive person. You know, he just talking to him, and if you follow his Twitter account, yep. uh, I think he posts the po- one positive thing a day or whatever um, that he tries to put out, and he's never negative. Um, so he's just a you know a good human being that you know, and I, I think you know I think our sports lucky enough that we have a lot of great guys. Um, we don't really have any um, you know bad guys. Where you know at the world of Antonio Browns out there, the selfishness. Um, you have a lot of selfless guys in the sport of lacrosse. So. Um, I think he's deserving. Justin Gutterding, though, and Eric Law, also two deserving guys. So if they get it, you know, they deserve it as well. But um, that's where I go from that. And then our final um, really, you know, character award, I would say, is the Dave Huntley Sportsmanship Award. And the nominees for that are Brody Merrill, Connor Farrell, and Joey Sankey. So who do you think is most deserving in this category, Adam? You know, I think I have to go with Brody Merrill in this one. Uh, The award's named after a Canadian, so I think... 
inevitably the first winner of this award should be a Canadian. Um, I, he's a fantastic person, tenacious on the field, classy guy off. He, he is an interesting one when it came to that first award we, we were discussing uh, for the leadership award. Uh, it, it seems like uh, he's more of a quiet leader uh, when it comes to that and is, is not as vocal when it comes to being on the field, but he's, he's more silent but deadly, um, but a fantastic leader, um, fantastic sportsman, uh, and I can't think of a better person to win the Dave Huntley Award than a guy that played for Dave. Yeah, no, I, I was really leaning towards Brody um, as well. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with a, a wild card and say Connor Farrell, just because a guy who played D2 lacrosse mm-hmm. comes in the you know the PLL and just makes a huge impact, but has a lot of fun with the game, you know. And I think that's what has been fun about the PLL is it's kind of given the old guys and the new guys a platform to kind of just enjoy the game again as professionals. You know, watching Connor Farrell, he's just a you know a ball of energy. He's almost like a little kid playing yeah. the sport, even though he's you know. A huge guy, um, probably a six foot two or something. He's yeah. he's ginormous, you know, on that all milk diet. But I think you know his sportsmanship is kind of what's gotten me because I don't. I think he he's one of the last people to to leave the field, you know, after signing all the autographs and stuff. And I think that says a lot. And um, I think you know players respect him. I think it's a lot to be said about a guy who you know a lot of these Division One players played against each other, knew each other in high school and college. Um, and Connor Farrell, you know, he's a Long Island guy, but he, he played D2, so he doesn't have those collegiate connections, um, and I think he's come in into the league and, you know, fit right in, so I think that's a testament to his character, so, uh, you know, I, I'd go with him for this award. But now we actually get to the performance awards on the field. Uh, we have four nominees for the Rookie of the Year. We have Tim Troutner, Connor Farrell, Jack Rowlett, and Ryder Garnsey. Adam, I think I kind of know where you might go with this, you being a goalie, but uh, who you want... As the rookie of the year, I think if anyone's ever heard me talk, um, I think goalie is one of the hardest positions to play, especially for a rookie to come in uh, to a starting role when I don't know if anyone was going to pick him coming out of training camp uh, to win. I got to go with Timmy Troutner. Uh, fantastic season. He won the, I can think of at least two games where I think he single handedly uh, won the. Redwoods a few games based off of his playing cage. Um, obviously, Conor Farrow, Jack Rowlett, Ryder Garnsey, fantastic options as well. Um, but arguably, I think Timmy Trounder had the biggest impact of any of the rookies uh, that were nominated, so I'd have to go with Tim. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with what you had to say about Trounder, and a lot of people didn't really think he was going to be the starter when he you know, came into the league. But uh, I'm going another Redwoods. I'm going Ryder Garnsey um, because people forget. you know, He's been electric the whole season. Um, I mean, he's just—he's probably been their their biggest star so far. You know, you can talk about Jules coming over in the trade, but Ryder is just—he plays with a type of energy. Um, you know, he's he's up there in points. Yep. Uh, and he, he does it all. You know, he does it all over the field. He can score. He can feed um, in the most intricate of ways. And again, I I think it's uh, amazing to me that he didn't play most of his senior season at Notre Dame. Yep. You know. He was out until the final week of the playoffs, and he had a, a decision to make where he could, you know, redshirt and maybe come back another year. Um, you know, he, he struggled, I think, with the grades, and that's why he didn't play. But he decided to come back, you know, and play in that playoff run, and, you know, he, he made an impact. And he stepped right into the, the Redwoods offense, and from the get-go, I mean, he, he was lights out. And that's kind of why I think they ended up moving Joey Sankey, and that's not a discredited Joey Sankey, another phenomenal attackman. But Ryder Garnsey just gives them so much more, and... Um, and I think you know he's going to be a fun player to watch for years to come. Absolutely. I think uh, we can both agree we think it's going to be a Redwood, though. 
<laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> um, and then that moves on to the Dave Petromala Defensive Player Award. Uh, we have Garrett Eppel, Jared Newman, and Tucker Durkin, all very deserving. Uh, who do you think, though, is the most deserving, Adam? I think this is a unique award because each of these defenders really brings uh, something unique to the table. Uh, Garrett Eppel is the most defensive of the defenders, right, I think, on the, on this list. And, and Jared Newman, a fantastic close defender, but also brings probably the most offensive uh, game from this group. So um, I think I'm going to have to go with the guy that's taken the league by storm, I'm going to go Jared Newman in this one just because of what he brings to the offensive side of the ball as a defender uh, and the defensive side of the ball. He's he's one of the best players in the league. Uh, any of them would be fantastic options, but I uh, now that I say it out loud, I'm going Jared Newman. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you, and he's benefited really from this shortened field, um, you know, and he's a threat from the 15-yard arc. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. you know, that's a good pick. But I'm going Garrett Eppel. I mean, he's got 23 cause turnovers, uh, 40 ground balls. Um, the next closest in cause turnovers is Rattler for 13. I mean, he's yeah. got 10 more than everybody else. He's just been a force all over the field, and I think he's a big reason why that group with Landis and Glazner are playing so well um, yeah. You know, for the Redwoods. So I, I'm going him for the Dave Petromala Defensive Player Award. Completely understandable. Yep. And then following that, we have Long Stick Midfielder Award, and that's actually named after Brody Merrill, who's still playing. So unique for a player to be still playing and named after him, but that's a testament you know, to Brody Merrill. To not be nominated for his own award. I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which it would have been a little strange, no, though, know, if he did win it. Um, Brody Merrill gets the Brody Merrill Award. <laughs> but uh, we had two people on this list. It's Scott Ratliff and Michael Earhart. This one was really tough for me, um, but I, I'm going to go Scott just because... He is second in cause turnovers, 13. Uh, he's got 29 ground balls on the season. And I, I just think he, he, he's a good offensive leader. Not that Earhart isn't, but, you know, he's one of those guys that they turn to. He's, you know, like him, Holman, and, and Schreiber, I think, are the guys that really run that team, you know, and, and Manny as well. And I, I think you kind of see that um, his impact at the, you know, transition game and, you know, on the defensive side of the ball uh, was really seen for this Archer's defense. So I'm, I'm going Ratliff. Yeah, I think I'd have to go with Scott as well. I mean, just from uh, a standpoint based off of statistics, both are fantastic uh, players to that effect. But Scott had 13 cause turnovers to, to Michael's six this year. Um, and you can obviously look at other stats too um, based off of that. But I, I think Scott uh, had the most well-rounded season of the two, so I have to give it him the nod. All right, and then our, our next award is the Short Stick Defensive Mini Award. It's the George Boriardi Hard Hat Award. Um, and so we got Dominique Alexander, Mark Lassini, and Ty Warner on this list. Uh, this one, you know, again, kind of tough. Those guys kind of do the intangibles. It's kind of tough to quantify it. Yeah. Um, but to me, there's one guy that kind of sticks out in my mind, and that's Mark Lassini. Um, the way he just takes shots like a madman uh, to his back. And I'm actually more concerned about, you know, him getting injured. But for right now, we'll, we'll make it, uh, you know, a reason why he deserves this award because he's just tenacious on the field and, um, you know, he easily could win that teammate award as well because of the type of impact he brings and wh how he does the, you know, the dirty work. That's why I think it's, you know, the hard hat award. Um, so he's my pick for the, the George Boriardi hard hat award. Yeah, I, I'd have to go with him as well. I mean, when you think of a D-Mitty, what do you think of the, the nitty gritty, the dirty stuff? And what's more dirty than turning your back to a shot and taking it? So, I mean, I'd have to go with Glassini as well for that reason. I mean, you could, you could potentially go uh, with either of the other, other two and 
Dominique Alexander ha- has a unique uh, kind of uh, play where he plays D mid, but he can also take the ball, and transition game is such a big thing this year um, with how the PLL in the shortened field is uh, that he'd be a fantastic choice just because uh, of his transition abilities. But when it comes to the name of the award, we have to go with Glassini. Yep, exactly. And um, going off of that, we have the Oren Lions Goalie of the Year Award. Uh, so we got Blaze Reardon, Kyle Burnlore, and Jack Cannon. I know you probably have a strong opinion on this one. This one was really tough for me. Um, just I feel like all these guys played phenomenal uh, during stretches during the season. But who do you think deserving of this Goalie of the Year Award? This one was a tough uh, one for me to pick. Um, that all three had fantastic seasons, um, but I'm have to go with Jack Cunkannon. I think he's been the most dominant of the goal of all three of these goalies for for the extended period of time. I don't remember a game this season where the the Atlas were out of it because Jack Cunkannon uh, was playing so well. Whether it's him winning the MVP award for the the All Star game um, or his play to to pretty much give the Atlas a shot to even make the playoffs when it came to the previous, the, the second to last week um, of the regular season and then his play it, to, to get that last win. Um, unfortunately, they didn't make the playoffs, but it wasn't, it was despite of Jack Cannon's play. And, you know, this was the first year where he had a starting job to his, to himself. Um, after coming from the MLL, he was a backup for the most part. And he showed that uh, he belongs in cage for the whole game. Yeah, no, and he he took a the spot of a more than capable goalie in Scott Rogers, who unfortunately had a you know at risk surgery that ha- kind of made him miss it, but it ended up being to the benefit of the Atlas, I think. And again, you you mentioned Reardon and Bernalore could easily win this award. I mean, it's it's tough, but I just look at a guy that you know, I wouldn't say Bernalore or Reardon are the MVPs of their teams. I could easily say Kincaid. Absolutely, yeah. And so that's why I, I'm I'm with you. You got to give him this award, um, you know, and just. He's had some unreal games, you know, that, that game that gave him a shot at making the playoffs. He had 18 yeah. saves and only let in eight. So, you know, it's, he, he's been great all season. And like you said, he's been one of the few constants of the Atlas. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I agree with you. Um, but going off of that, the, another constant for the Atlas all year has uh, been Trevor Baptiste. Um, so we have Trevor Baptiste and Joe Nardella are the finalists for the Paul Cantabine uh, Faceoff Man of the Year Award. Um, who do you think is deserving of this? I kind of already have my guess, but... As great of a season as Joe Nardella has from an offensive standpoint, he, his ability to go down after winning uh, a face-off to score, you have to go with Trevor Baptiste. I mean, the statistics just don't lie. He, he When we talk about consistency, uh, there weren't many on the Atlas. Jack and Cannon was one. You already said it, Trevor Baptiste was the other. So I'd have to go with Trevor in this one. Yeah, no, you mentioned consistency. He's never had less than 54% face-off percentage this whole season. Um, I mean, talk about consistency. And, you know, he, I think the one game it was as high as 70. You know, for, for you to win over half your team's possessions, um, that's key. I think he was, again, like one of those constants, and I, I think he's, you know, going to be a critical part for them going forward. Yep. But uh, that brings us to our Midfielders Award. It's the Gate Brothers Midfielder Award. Um, you got again another great list. This is so tough to make all these decisions, but you got Jake Fricaro with the chaos, who I think could have been a dark horse early on. You know, maybe for uh, midfielder of the year or even MVP the way he was playing. Um, you know, hasn't had the best games recently, but he still performed at a high level. Um, and then you have Ned Crotty, who's been 
you know, one of the constants for the Chrome. You know, he's been a real leader on the field and, you know, a natural attackman playing midfield. He's he's done really well, um, you know, for the Chrome, especially in that role. Uh, and then Tom Schreiber, uh, you know, who we've had on the podcast and who's considered arguably the, the greatest player of the times right now. Um, so who do you think is going to get this one who's most deserving of it? I'm going to have to go with Tom Schreiber in this one. He's the best all-around player um, between those three. Nick Crotty and Jake Ficarra had fantastic seasons. Um, but as we saw this weekend, um, that, that Archer's offense really ran through Tom. So I'd have to go with Schreiber in this one. Best overall player in the game, arguably, right now. Uh, so he's the best midfielder. Yeah, no, and I think you just you look at he's second in assists. He's got 18 behind Rambo's 23, which to me is absurd as a midfielder, you know. Um, and he's really just transformed that midfield position um, because there's really not a guy like him out there, you know. It's his style is just so unique. The way he feeds, I, I still can't get over final game of the season um, when he made that cross the field pass uh, to Holman. You know, like almost like a no look, like just slinging it. He he's just tremendous vision. Um, so I, I think he deserves it. You know, all, both these, all three of these guys deserve it. But he's definitely the most deserving. Um, and then we have the Eamon McEnany Attackman of the Year Award. Uh, Connor Fields, Matt Rambo, Marcus Holman. Another tough one. I mean, <laughs> these guys. It's it's tough. Like you have such phenomenal players in this league, and they mean so much to their team. But who you want? Who do you think's most deserving of this Attackman of the Year award? This this was probably the toughest for me, um, and to think that I have Marcus Holman third on any list uh, is pretty remarkable. But I'm going to have to take Connor Fields in this one. He's my most one of the most electric players to watch on the field on a weekly basis, um, and I honestly think without him, the chaos would be a lot more lost potentially than the Archers and Whip Snakes would be with with the other two candidates. So I'm going to have to take Connor Fields in this one. You know, I, I, I have to kind of, you know, agree with that, uh, you know, with saying that he probably means the most to his team. Um, so that that's that's a good point. Um, but I, I'm going with Rambo. I mean, you kind of saw what happened when they didn't have him play in that second half. Um, and even when he doesn't have his best game, he's such a facilitator, you know, through the offensive zone and through X. Um, he, he can just do it all. And, you know, he, he's got the size, he's got the stick skills. Um, to lead an assist, you know, with 23 and total points with 42, um, you know, I, I guess got to give it to him. And then, you know, that brings us to uh, that brings us to our final player award is the Jim Brown MVP award. Um, again, we just talked about these guys, but Connor Fields, Matt Rambo, Tom Schreiber, um, all three, again, deserving it. All of them meant so much to their team. But, Adam, who do you think is deserving of the most valuable player? I know. Uh, Connor Fields and Tom Schreiber are, are obviously fantastic players. I picked them for the last two awards. Uh, but ironically enough, I'm going to have to go with Rambo in this one. You know, his team is in the championship, and I think MVP uh, are generally the players that squads are in the championship. Matt Rambo's squad has the, had the most successful season of the three, so I'm going to go with Rambo. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Schreiber. I mean, you saw when he got injured, uh, you know, in that playoff game and he kind of kept that offensive going despite its inconsistencies at the faceoff and the midfield. Um, so I think he's most deserving of MVP, and, I, you know, I hope he, he's the one that ends up winning it. But, again, all the three of these guys are deserving. And then, finally, our final award is the Dick Adele Coach of the Year Award. Uh, we have Coach Andy Towers, 
uh, Jim Stagnita and Chris Bates. Uh, who do you think is most deserving of this award, Adam? I have to go with Coach Stagnita, you know. Uh, for a coach to have the ability to uh, sit uh, arguably the MVP of the league uh, and for that player to come back, react with a positive outlook, the team um, seems really behind him. They're in the championship game. They've had the most successful season so far. I'm going to have to go with Stags. Yeah, I'm going to go with Coach Towers. You know, I, uh, he, he led them to the top spot in the, the regular season. Um, they've never really faltered until this recent playoff game, and even then it was just one bad quarter. So I think he's gotten them to perform. I think you got a lot of different types of players on that team, and he's gotten them to play as a unit and in a unique style, which is tough being a new franchise. You know, all these franchises are new, but they found their identity pretty early on. So I think he's most deserving of the Dick Adele Coach of the Year Award. Well, that wraps up our uh, PLL Awards um, and who we think was going to win. Uh, we're going to dive into some PLL Fantasy Lacrosse, but let's first hear a word from our sponsor. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, welcome back. So let's talk at some... PLL Fantasy Lacrosse, this is going to be like our first Fantasy Lacrosse segment. We talked about it a little bit, what it was going to be about last week. But now we actually have some actual data and some results from how it went. And I think it went. It was a success. We had 114 total rosters submitted. Um, it was a lot of work for us behind the scenes to put together. But, you know, I think it was well worth it. I think people enjoyed it. And we're gathering some valuable data, you know, if uh, the league like the PLL yep. or, or any other league or entity decides to end up getting into fantasy lacrosse you know we're definitely trying to make our name in it but uh you know we're just excited to kind of get it off the ground and share it with you but uh let's dive into our top performers of the week we had at faceoff greg renlian had 10.5 points um you know he had a goal and an assist as well as killing it at the faceoff x yep. connor farrell he had seven points and joe nardella was close behind with 6.5 so they were the top faceoff performers at attack we had Ryder garnsey with 6.5 Connor Fields had five points, and Marcus Holman also had five. So those were our top attackmen. Um, you know, a little bit disappointing. Rambo only had two points. More of a quiet day, but I wouldn't fret. I would still keep him in mind for your guys' roster come week three. At the midfield, um, you know, everyone kind of had a solid game. There was around like three to four points for the top midfielders, but the two guys that really made a name for themselves were Connor Busick and uh, Mike Chanichuk. Not really a shocker at them performing, but the, the totals that they had. Busick had nine goals, including three two-pointers, so that he was a, had a big day for you guys that picked him. And then uh, Mike Chanichuk also had two two-pointers. So it, it pays to pick a guy that has um, that two-point threat and is also going to get a lot of shots off. Yep. So um, you know th those are some guys you want to look for going forward. At defense and uh, long stick mini, Ratliff had 4.5. He got a goal in the game and had some ground balls and caused turnovers. Austin Pafani also had four. He was kind of a sleeper that no one really talked about. Um, I know you actually had him on your team, though, Adam, so he did a good job for you. And uh, Tucker Durkin and Cade Van Raphorst were rounding it out at 3.5. You know, you had Garrett Apple, Glazner, they had three. So a lot of defensemen had solid days, but those were your top performers. And then in cage, uh, Jack and Cannon, no shock there, had uh, 6.5 points. 
Um, he had the biggest day. Burnlor also did well, and uh, um, you know none of these goalies did too poor, other than Drew Adams, who actually got you negative point five if you started him, unfortunately. So uh, you know he was disappointing. Um, Jared Newman also zero points. Uh, a lot of people picked him for their defensive slot. Um, so if you picked him, kind of hoping for a, a two bomb from him, you were kind of left wanting a little bit more. But you can pick him next week. Um, maybe you'll have a turnaround against the Redwoods. We want to just say congratulations to our winning roster for this week, CG Trojans, who had 52 points. Um, you know, you had some guys up there at the top had 50, 49, but he ended up finishing with 52, which was the just consistency between the positions. He had Henningberg with 4.5, Holman with 5, Rambo had 2, Busick had 9, Connor Kelly had 3, Schreiber had 2, Bryce Young had 2, Ratliff had 4.5, Epple had 3, Grenlian had 10.5 and Cannon had 6.5. So it paid that he got, uh, you know, some of the big performers at the midfield, goalie, and faceoff X, as well as LSM. Um, so if you hit those big guys, you know, you can really have a big day in this pick em. Um So, but remember, you guys, it's weekly prizes. So we, we sent him a, a free pro lacrosse tank. Um, we have a, a fantasy lacrosse hat coming up this week. And don't forget, our big prize is the Epic All Star Game gloves. Um, that Epic Lacrosse has given us to give as a giveaway. So we want to thank Epic for you know helping us out with this fantasy lacrosse pick'em and uh, you know giving us this grand prize to give away to the winner of the end of this fantasy lacrosse season. So uh, make sure you guys submit your rosters. You can go to prolacrossetalk.com/fantasy-lacrosse. Um, fill out your roster. It will be open um, up until game time come Saturday. So make sure you fill out your roster and uh, get your fantasy on. There you go. Um, but with that, that wraps up our fantasy lacrosse coverage. Um, let's go to a quick break, and then we'll get into the MLL action. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so welcome back. Now it's time to discuss some Major League Lacrosse. So we had three games this weekend, all six teams played, some playoff spots on the line, and uh, they are actually all now filled. The Outlaws, the Bayhawks, the Cannons, and the Blaze are your final four playoff teams, uh, despite the regular season not being over. Rathers were eliminated because of their loss to the Blaze um, and their record. So the Rathers run, unfortunately, is over. I think they have a bright future ahead, you know, with Sean Scannone, Bubba Voigt, Bryce Wasserman, shout out to him who made the game after attending a wedding. He left at 6 and ended up making it to the game at 7 via helicopter. So uh, shout out to him. Uh, pretty epic way to go to a game. Um, the video is online if you guys want to check it out, but I thought that was pretty cool and showed his dedication to the team despite the 15-14 to 14 loss. Um, but that begs the question, Adam, of these four playoff teams, who do you think is going to finish the strongest and who do you think has the best chance to make a run at this championship? Yeah, no, I, I think the, the Outlaws have an awesome outlook. They have the perfect opportunity uh, after this week to play playoffs 
at home. It may not be their their main home, but it's right around the corner. They are the only squad in the entire league with a winning record at, at home this year. Um, it probably, like you said last week, has to do uh, with travel time and those types of things. But uh, they have the best outlook, I think, of any squad kind of going down the line. I think it's pretty crazy of me to say that. When, when they were on that four-game losing skid, uh, I don't think it was going to be uh, the case, but I think maybe some of us were uh, getting a little too nervous there more than we should have. Um, but, you know, it's kind of funny to think also that these were probably the four teams a couple games into the season that we would expect to be in the playoffs. Um, and then once the Rats went on that uh, winning streak, uh, they made it a little bit more interesting. Like you said, it's tough to see them out, but I'm excited for these playoffs. Yeah, no, I mean, this is kind of what we expected. Uh, I did think the Lizards would, you know, have a better season, um, maybe than, say, the Blaze. Uh, but, you know, it was pretty clear early on that they, they weren't going to be in it. Um, and then, you know, the Rathers came out of nowhere, but it was kind of a little too late for them. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the Outlaws a lot, too. I mean, I really went back and forth. Um, I think I would pick the Outlaws just because they don't really have any glaring weaknesses. You know, they have a solid goaltender in Dylan Ward, Max Adler at the faceoff X. Um, defense has been pretty solid, you know. That kind of can be their Achilles heel, but I, I think, you know, they've really put it together uh, f- in these final games. And, again, you can't talk about enough the talent on that offensive side with Grant Jr. and Aslanian and Courier um, and Kavanaugh. I mean, there's just so many guys. Ryan Lee. It's just so many guys on that team. So I think they're they're poised to, you know, make it to the championship. Um, I, I'd like, you know, maybe I could see the Bayhawks too, but... You know, they've gone through a lot of face-off guys. I think that's something they've struggled with this year. Um, you know, and then the the Blaze have looked good at points, but they get into these high-scoring affairs. Their defense just sometimes throw these, throws these games away. And, um, it, you know, if Stotts and Shane Jackson aren't really on, it kind of hurts them. So um, yeah. I think, you know, it's the outlaws is to lose, but there's a team that I, I think is going to, you know, give them their all, and I think it's the Cannons. They have really haven't played a bad game all year apart from that 22-9 loss to the Outlaws a week ago. I think if you scratch that, you'd burn that tape. Um, they're another favorite. They haven't lost a game by more than three other than that Outlaws game yep. the whole season. Um, and they've won some tight ones, and, you know, they've gone into these, uh, you know, away games and, and you, know, you know, beat up on some teams and, and pulled out some gutsy wins as well, so... I think, you know, they're another team that looks really complete and, you know, talk about goalies. Nick Morocco has been solid all year up until this yep. point. So I just think, you know, that's – they're another team that, you know, I, I think we've kind of been sleeping on and um, I think, you know, they're getting hot at the right time. Yep, and, you know, j- just like we kind of discussed with the PLL, this has been one of the most exciting seasons for professional lacrosse as a whole because there really hasn't – whether it – the teams at the top that have been there for predominantly the whole season uh, in both leagues, they still lost games that we weren't expecting them to lose and blow and teams lower down in the seating won games that we weren't expecting them to win. This has been the most well-rounded season of professional lacrosse in both leagues I, that I can ever remember. Yeah, no, I have to agree. And, you know, we got twice as many games this year, which has been fun. So uh, another, you know, pro for the fans to have two leagues going on. Yep. You know, we can let these leagues uh, battle it out in terms of ratings and, you know, and, and survivability and, you know, um, vi- and viability and stuff. But as a fan, it's never been better to be a, you know, a fan of professional lacrosse. Um, and the MLL recently, too, announced their awards. That's actually going to be done by fan vote. So you guys have the opportunity to, to vote. Um, and I'll read the no- nominees right now. We have... Uh, for the Coca-Cola MVP, Craig Chick, 
Mark Cockerton, Brian Cole, Zach Courier, Grant Jr., Shane Jackson, Rob Pinnell, Sean Scannone, Randy Stotts, and Lyle Thompson are all nominees, and you can also do a write-in as well. Um, Offensive Player of the Year, Chris Aslanian, Brian Cole, Mark Cockerton, Zach Courier, Shane Jackson, Tommy Palasek, Rob Pinnell, Randy Stotts, Steele Stanwick, and Lyle Thompson. And again, you know, for all these, you can do a write-in. Defensive Player of the Year, Jesse Bernhardt, who's been on our podcast, Liam Burns, Craig Chick, Greg Danseglio, Justin Pugel, Jake Pulver, Ben Randall, Rylan Reese, Alex Spring, and Finn Sullivan. And then the Warrior Goalie of the Year, Nico Amato, Austin Kaut, Chris Madelon, Nick Morocco, Sean Scannone, and Dylan Ward. Finally, for the Player Awards, Cascade Rookie of the Year, Chris Aslanian, Craig Chick, Zach Goodridge, Warren Jeffrey, Andrew Koo, Rylan Reese, Sean Scannone, Brendan Sunday, Bradley Voigt, and Alex Woodall. And finally, in terms of coaches, we have the MLL Coach of the Year Award, Liam Banks for Atlanta, Dave Cottle for Chesapeake, B.J. O'Hara for New York, Sean Quirk for Boston, Tony Seaman for Denver, and Bull Warder for Dallas. So all the coaches there. Um, so they're giving you know, the fans the chance to vote on the awards. I think that's a unique approach. Um, I do kind of like when the leagues have a little bit more control over who gets the awards, but you know, it's two different approaches, and it, it's really, to me, it's, it's, neither one is a bad way. It depends on whether you really want to you know, give the fans a big input or whether you want to take a more you know, formal approach to it. So I think it's you know, an interesting way to go about it, and I don't think it's a wrong way to go about it. So we'll be voting uh, on those soon, and we're going to give you guys our picks next episode. So uh, be on the lookout for that in the recap episode next week. But those are your awards uh, for the MLL. With that, that brings us to our game picks. So we got some uh, playoff games on the line and then some MLL games to, to wrap us up uh, towards the end of the season. Um, but let's go with the PLL right off the bat, Adam. We've got Archers versus Chrome. Who are you picking in this one? I'm going Archers. I think they're going to win. want to win this one for Tom uh, uh, Tom Schreiber and, and Jackson Place. Uh, it just didn't look like the Chrome were in it last week. It, it, was, it was a tough game to watch, and the Archers played strong up until the end, so I'm going to have to go Archers. Yeah, I'm going Archers as well. The Chrome just don't look like they have a lot of fight in them left, so... I think the Archers are a little bitter about, you know, missing um, the next round of the playoffs, so I think they're going to come out hot. Um, and then the following game in the playoffs, we have the Chaos versus the Redwoods for a chance to play the Whip Snakes in the championship. Adam, who are you picking in this one? I know it might be the fad pick right now, but the way they're playing, I'd have to go Redwoods just based off of last week and, and how they seem to be playing as a team. Um, I think they're, they're, they have a strong chance of winning this one and facing the Whips in the championship. I think Coach uh, Towers is going to light a fire in these guys if it's not already there. And I think, you know, the Chaos uh, are a scary team when they have a chip on their shoulder. So I'm going to go the other route. I'm going to go the Chaos. And I think they're going to, you know, look to enact some revenge on the Whip Snakes come championship weekend. Um, but that wraps up the PLL. Uh, now our MLL games, we only have two. We have the Bayhawks at the Outlaws. Um, I'm going to go with the, the Bayhawks in this one just because I think, um, you know, I think they, they want to get go out on a high note. Uh, they lost this past week, even despite getting a playoff berth. So I think they're going to come gunning for the Outlaws. And, um, you know, I, I do like the Outlaws to win it overall, but I, I think it's to end the regular season. Uh, I think the Bayhawks will want to go out on top, so I think they're going to they're gonna pull one out. 
How about you, Adam? I'm going to take uh, the Bayhawks in this one as well. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see this matchup. And I'm also going to skip ahead and say I'm going to take the Cannons in Game 2 of the weekend just so these can be uh, preliminary uh, games and have rematches for the standings-wise come first week of playoff for the semifinals. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Cannons as well against the Blaze. Um, you know, I, I think the, the Blaze are kind of hanging in there right now. You know, they, they've shown they can play with any of these teams, but uh, they need to kind of prove something to me. Um, Cannons are playing the best lacrosse right now, and, you know, this is they, these teams only have two more games left in the season, so I, I think they want to end on a high note, so that's why I'm going to go with the Cannons in this one. Um, but, yeah, that, that wraps up our game picks and our podcast. Um, be on the lookout. You know, we have our Coach Starja interview is out right now, so feel free to listen to that. Um, we have another week of fantasy lacrosse, so make sure you submit a roster. You don't have to have done one prior, um, but if you did play last week, definitely play again this week. You know, because we do have a chance to win the epic All Star Game gloves as the grand prize. So you want to, you know, make sure you submit a roster every week if you want a chance to win those. Um, and then we have upcoming interviews with Tiana Walper of the Brave, uh, Connor Busick of the Atlas is going to join us um, after his nine point performance in Ohio. Uh, and then Coach of the Whipsnakes, Jim Stagnita, is going to join us as well right before the championship game. So a lot of great interviews coming up, uh, so be on the lookout for those. Uh, but with that, that concludes our podcast. So we'll go to the overtime, Adam. What are you looking forward to most this weekend? It has to be that PLL playoffs. I'm going to be there live. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and we even have a Snapchat now, at Pro Lacrosse Talk. Uh, I'll be kind of documenting uh, my trip from Baltimore to New York uh, and the two games that day. So can't be more excited to be there for the live action this weekend. Yeah, no, I wish I could be there. You're you're actually in my stomping grounds, but I have a prior commitment. Um, but I'll be there in Philly, your old stomping grounds, so we're just trading places for the, the PLL playoffs. But I'm looking forward to mostly this uh, fantasy lacrosse again. You know, I, I wasn't very invested in the Atlas Chrome game uh, before, but having guys on my roster kind of got me more invested. And I think that's going to be a great way for this sport to grow eventually if we do you know, eventually get fantasy lacrosse to be more involved in the sport because you've just seen how many people are invested in pro football um, that don't even really care about football, but they have fantasy football teams. So I, I think if you bring that to lacrosse and introduce fantasy sports, I think you'll get a whole group of fans that you might not have had before watching these games. So we're, we're excited to be on the cutting edge of it, um, and I'm looking forward to another week of it. Um, But that wraps up our podcast. Thank you guys for listening, and we hope you tune in next time to Pro Lacrosse Talk.